where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years. What if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Bonjour les auditeurs de Craig. Bienvenue dans la liste de Craig. Aujourd'hui, nous allons discuter des gens de Florette et maintenant des sources. Ne vous écoutez pas, le podcast complet ne sera pas en français. Hmm? <laughs> I wonder if, that, if you actually said those words properly. Well, I, I would guess I said maybe 20% of them correctly. It sounds, it sounded like an impro a French improv scene. Did it sound like gibberish French? A little bit, but in a good way. I was trying to read real words that I translated on Google Translate. What does it say? Hello, Craig's listeners. Welcome to Craig's List. Today, we're going to discuss Jean de Florette and Manon of the Spring. Don't worry, this podcast won't be completely in French. That's it? <laughs> That's what I just said, yeah. <laughs> Did you take French? We? Oui? How I much? I don't remember anything. Nothing? Not much. Not, not very much. I, surprisingly, was not very good at languages. Why is that surprising? Because I'm so smart. Yeah. You would think I would be. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, actually. I remember studying for a French test. Gosh, it must have been sophomore year. So maybe it was 14 or 15. Studying so hard for a French test and like going in and taking the test and thinking like, I totally nailed it. And then we got it back and I got a D. Ooh, a D. And my teacher was like, what happened? And I just remember being very sincere, like, I really studied for this. I just think I'm really bad at it. And so that's when you knew, like, languages were not your thing. Yeah. Hmm. I only took two years. I took two years of French. I, I didn't get to the point where I could, like, read books. Sure. Cinco años de español for me. How many years? Five years. Really? Yeah. Then you should be able to speak fluently. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can do everything except converse in it. I can do every anything except understand what other people are saying and figure out what I want to say and communicate that to somebody else. So you can not I can, speak Spanish. I can read Spanish and <laughs> pronounce it really well. <laughs> you can read? So if like I bought a book for you that was all in Spanish, you'd be able to read it and understand it? Oh, no. It? I could pronounce it. I could pronounce it. <laughs> well, what is that? What good does that do you? Five years? It does no good at all. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to go to Mexico in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I better uh, dust off uh, my Spanish. Joko Cruise. Go to the jococruise.com website if you want to go on a cruise with us. Now, if you're just tuning in to Craigslist for the first time, this is a podcast where Carla, <laughs> my wife, and I discuss our extensive background in foreign languages. Uh, no, that's not what it is at all. Uh, we're watching my 100 favorite movies. And uh, today we're on number 79, and these are two French films that I have combined into one entry, Jean de Florette and Manon of the Spring. Yeah, it was a big cheaty, cheater, cheat skis. You think it was a cheater, cheaty, cheat skis? Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, is what Caesar said to uh, the crowd. 
Um, uh, I didn't take Latin either. Oh, man. Um, You're killing me this morning. These are a pair of 1986 films by Claude Berry. And uh, they star a who's who of great French actors. Yves Montand. Danielle Autoui. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. And Emmanuel Bayard. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a recurring theme throughout today as I attempt to pronounce French words boldly and incorrectly. But I always say go big or go home. Do you always say that? I always say that. You never heard me say I go big or go home? I always say go home. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I say go big. Sometimes I just say go big. But mostly I say go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we apologize for the, uh, the delay in getting this episode out. This was four hours of movies that, uh, Carla needed to watch and it yeah. took us, it took us a while to get through them. This was a hundred percent my fault. I don't I, know about I that. Take, yeah. I take the blame. Uh, that first week after we did, was it Pinocchio? Yeah. Last one? Just really busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And it made it really, I, because I was so busy, I just couldn't. Be, besides the fact that I watched the trailers for these two movies, and I was like, "Oh fuck no!" Yeah. Uh, so it was making it really hard for me to sit down. The oh fuck no plus my busy schedule. Yeah, you just weren't in the mood to watch these movies. I really wasn't. So then the following week, we did our um, top ten lists for 2016. Best of 2016. Which I have to say, real quick, I completely spaced, and it, it was on my list the night before. But I didn't, I rewrote the list the next morning and forgot to move it over. The Fits was a really great movie from last year that I wanted to tell everyone about because it has a female director and a female star and it's a really cool movie. So check out The Fits if you can find it. And shot in your hometown of Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, that's not really, I guess that's my hometown. I'm from Kentucky. Okay. On the other side of the river. All right. Yeah, it kind of counts. I just don't want people to think I'm from Ohio. Ugh. <laughs> JK, Ohio's better than Kentucky. <laughs> um, okay, so The Fits is in Carla's top 10. The Fits. Well, it's like, it's hard now to figure that out, okay. what that means. Carla's but, top 12. Yeah. Let's say. Uh, so go check that movie out. Okay. okay. So then we got to this week and I watched, oh, should we tell them how far I got through the, these four hour films? Well, you only have to watch a third of them. I only had to watch a third of them. How much did you watch? I watched the entire four hours. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> All four hours I watched it. I didn't skip anything. Anything I didn't skip. Carla, Nothing I skipped. Carla, you're looking awfully proud of yourself. Yes. I'm feeling very <laughs> smug. I'm very proud of you too. This is the, uh, since I combined two movies into one, this is the third longest entry on Craigslist. And you already watched the longest, Return of the King. And, uh, Return of the King was longer than this? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, when there's an exciting uh, orc battle, <laughs> time yeah. flies by, as opposed when you're watching the seasons change in Provence, France. Right. Uh, I would say the pacing of this movie is leisurely. Is that the word you would use? <laughs> I would say boring or like nap-inducing. <laughs> But you did not fall asleep. I did not. I don't know. I'm I'm a fucking miracle this week. I don't know what's going on with me. I started doing yoga again. I'm feeling pretty invincible. Started having smoothies for breakfast, trying to eat a lot of protein. Uh, feeling a little more confident about Trump being impeached. I don't know. It was the tide's turning, you guys. So you had the endurance to watch four hours of French film I this did. week. I did. I well, did. Congratulations. Thanks, sir. Great job. I was honestly surprised that you made it all the way through. But, uh, but it's well, a- it felt like 
Oh, here's the, here's the truth. It felt like I had to finish it because I put it off for so long. Okay. Like if I had done it the first week, I probably just would have watched 40 minutes of it and been done. But because I was making everyone wait around for me, I felt like I owed it to our listeners and to you and to myself. Well, I appreciate it, Carla. I appreciate the effort. And there's some long films coming up soon. So yeah, yeah you've, uh, you've built up your endurance for, uh, for what's coming up. So great. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think now you've watched three of the longest eight movies on the list. Wait, a second ago you just said I watched two of the longest three. And three of the longest eight. Oh, stop <laughs> saying numbers. <laughs> when was the first time you saw this movie? Oh, tell us what these movies are about. Okay. Uh, these movies uh, tell a story uh, set shortly after World War One in uh, Provence in rural France. And, uh, this is a story of, uh, of two, an, an uncle and nephew who are kind of well-to-do landowners, uh, who want the land that's next to them, which is owned by a, a hunchback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there is a source of water, uh, on that land that they have plugged up in an attempt to ruin him and make him not want to farm that land to sell that land to them so they can grow carnations and get filthy rich. Uh, so that's, that's the basic story of Jean de Florette. Manon of the Spring jumps ahead about 10 years and we follow these same characters, uh, later in time, but that's, uh, that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig's first time, I think I saw this movie shortly after it came out. Uh, it came out in 86 in France, I think 87 in the States. And I probably saw it around 88 on home video. Do you see both of them together? I did. Uh, well, I think I saw them maybe a few weeks apart. I'm so – wait, how old were you? 88. I would have been 19. Why would you want to watch this? My friend Andrew, who I've talked about before, who we were always very competitive with uh, seeing movies, uh, he had seen Jean de Florette first and really talked it up. And I think it, it had gotten a good review in the Washington Post. At the time, this were was – Were you reading the Washington Post? Reading? Sure. I read the Washington Post every day. It was delivered to our doorstep. <laughs> okay. I lived in That's the great. I lived in the DC suburbs. Right. Yeah. I just didn't read the newspaper when I was that young. I should have. I would have been smarter. Maybe I could have spoken French if I had been reading the newspaper. <laughs> well, yeah, learn French is a regular column in the Washington Post, which I uh, always avoided. Uh, you didn't read the funny papers? The funny papers? No. <laughs> See in the funny papers. I read books. <laughs> uh, but I definitely read the, uh, the movie reviews in the post at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably would have had to go into the city to see this. I don't think the suburban Virginia movie theaters were showing Jean de Florette and Manon in the spring, but I watched them on home video and, uh, instantly enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they've been a mainstay on my list, uh, ever since. And I think, I don't know if this is maybe the first French movie that I'd seen, but it was definitely one of the first five French movies, uh, that I've seen. And I'm a big fan of French cinema in general. Hmm. Um, and, uh, apparently this movie really increased tourism to Provence. Really? Uh, that it wasn't a big tourist destination before then because it really shows, uh, the French countryside in all of its beauty. Provence. Provence. Uh, it's fun to say. And, uh, I just think the acting in it is really fantastic and it tells a good yarn, spins a good yarn. 
And it's kind of, uh, I would say it's kind of a Dickensian story. Sure. I can see that. Um, where there's a, uh, where there's a, a, a great twist at the end that Carla saw coming from a mile away. <laughs> eight minutes into the movie or something. <laughs> no, not eight minutes into the like movie. Like 20 minutes into the movie. Um, 20 minutes into the four hour movie, I guess the ending of the four hour movie. So you can imagine how much harder it was for me to watch it. <laughs> but, uh, but I, it's a nice epic story and I think, I kind of also liken it to Les Mis, uh, in a way, probably because shortly after, or shortly around this time, I had seen the, uh, American premiere of the musical Les Miserables at the Kennedy Center. It went to the Kennedy Center before it went to Broadway. Did it, you see it with, uh, what's his face? Colm Wilkinson. Well, Colm Wilkinson. <laughs> yeah, and his other face. <laughs> I didn't see his other face. From Evita? Who from uh, Mandy Patinkin? No, from the movie Evita with Madonna. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, oh. Antonio Banderas? No. Who are you talking about? Plays Perone. Oh, uh, you mean the governor from uh, Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Yeah. Bob Gunton? Is that his no, name? No, wait. Not from... No. Who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of the right person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is... So, who played Perone? Oh, Jonathan Price. Yes. Was he ever in Les Mis? He was. Was he? He was in Miss Saigon. Nope. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Price was in Miss Saigon. Colm Wilkin- Wilkinson. Colm Wilkinson played Jean Valjean in the. Uh, he was the original Jean Valjean on in London uh, and in America on Broadway. He was. Was he also in Phantom? No. Nope. No, you're thinking of Michael Crawford. Was the original <laughs> yep, Phantom? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. All those white guys. <laughs> So many white guys who were leads in musicals in the late 80s. Who were like not super handsome. Yeah. But Jonathan Price at least played an Asian stereotype. So. Right. Yeah. So that evened out. Um, but I think Les Mis was like fresh in my mind and I kind of likened this movie as a French epic, uh, in a way. I mean, in subject matter, they're nowhere similar, but I think there's something about a, a multi-generational French story that takes its time. Sure. Uh, this is interesting enough. I, I didn't know this till I did some research on this. I knew it was based on a book. And the book was by Marcel Pagnol, who is a uh, well-known French writer of the 20th century. A lot of his books were adapted into movies. But he, in addition to being a novelist, he was a film director. Really? And Manon of the Spring started out as a film that he made. It was a three-hour movie that he made in the 1950s. It's not on your list, is it? It's not. I've never seen it. Uh, and he apparently wasn't happy with how it turned out. Do you really think I would have another version of Madonna <laughs> of the Spring I don't higher know. up on the list? I don't know what's going on with your list. Um, he had... Uh, he was not happy with how the movie turned out, and instead he turned it into a novel. So he made a full movie... <laughs> Wow. I uh, didn't like the results and then rewrote it as a novel. And then these movies were based on the novel. What happened in the movie? Well, I, I don't know if it's readily available. It's on IMDb as an earlier version of Manon of the Spring. Well, you got to get that. Yeah. Go I'll, on eBay. Okay. I'll check it out. <laughs> um, so uh, so that that's kind of interesting. It's a, a movie based on a book that was based on a movie. That it's really like, is. It's like I've adapting a novelization mm-hmm. uh, into a movie. And uh, this was the Lord of the Rings in France at the time. It was the highest uh, production, most expensive production in French history. Really? At the time. And it was kind of an international hit. Um, 
And it's well regarded. I don't think it's like considered a classic of international cinema uh, or cinema by uh, by by critics, but it certainly uh, it was well reviewed at the time, and it's well regarded. Um, was Gerard Depardieu already famous before this? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, he was the biggest actor in France at the time. What else was he in was that I would know before this? Well. I can, I'll IMDb it. You can IMDb Gerard Depardieu. I mean. And uh, I will. Uh, off the top of my head, The Last Metro, which was Oh, wait. A, the um, Cyrano, right? Cyrano came out three years later. The, his oh. version of Cyrano de Bergerac. That's a great movie. The, have you ever seen that? I have. Uh, that came out in 1990. Um Depardieu was in 1900, which was a Bernardo Bertolucci movie. Okay. You don't have to uh, answer. Yeah. The Last Metro, which was a Truffaut movie with uh, Catherine Deneuve. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yves Montand was a uh, well-known French singer and actor who'd been in a lot of things. And I really think that uh, his performance is what really makes this film for me. Who does he play? He plays, uh, Pepe, who's the, uh, which is what his oh, yeah. nephew calls mm-hmm. him, or Cesar is his name. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and he's kind of the, the villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the last of the line of the Soubirons, uh, which is a once great landowning family that had kind of died out through inbreeding. <laughs> and so it's only him and his half, uh, wit nephew, Ugolin, is, uh, the only two Soubirons left. So that's a big plot point of uh, how Cesar, who is kind of elderly, wants to turn over the uh, the family to Ugolin, who's kind of uh, a moron. Mm-hmm. And he's played by Daniel Autoui, uh, who is a very prominent French actor of the uh, 80s and 90s and onward. Does he always look like that in all the movies? No, he's wearing a fake nose in it. Does to he kind have of make fake him, teeth? I think he probably has fake teeth as well to make him look uglier. He's not a super handsome guy, but he certainly is not as ugly as Ugolin yeah. is. He's real ugly. <laughs> Carla was really creeped out by this character. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a great movie called Girl on the Bridge that Danielle Autoui is the star of, uh, which I think you would like, actually. Girl on the Bridge, Danielle Autoui plays a knife thrower in the uh, circus, and he recruits uh, the girls that he uses for knife throwing by going to bridges and looking for girls who are trying to commit suicide because he's feeling of like if they uh, are already oh, at that funny. low point in their life, then they'll agree to have knives thrown at them in the circus. Is it funny or is it sad? It's kind of funny and sad. Just like a French person. <laughs> <laughs> and he was also in the Michael Hanukkah movie Cachet. Okay. Let's stop talking about other movies. Okay. Well, let's talk about Jean de Florette. Uh, let's, uh, is you had not heard of these movies? Never heard of them. Okay. So you, you watched the trailers ahead of time. So I watched the trailers ahead of time and, um, yeah, they just looked, it looked real boring. Number one. <laughs> and number two, and by the way, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode. We're not going to keep anything from you from this 30 year old movie. Yeah. If you're thinking about seeing it, uh, I think we need to talk about the entire plot of the movie of both movies. Yeah. So it, when I watched the trailers back to back for each movie, it was clear that Gerard Depardieu, whatever his character dies between the first and second film. So I was kind of like, Oh, it looks bad already. Number one. And then number two, now I know one of the main character dies. 
one of the main characters dies. The titular character of the first movie, yeah. Jean, Jean Le Fleuret, yeah, dies yeah. in that movie. Yeah. And then we pick up his daughter's story in the uh, in the second half. Yep. So just I'll give my version of the story real quick so that everybody understands what's going on. Okay. Uh, there are these two French guys, uncle and nephew, and they're real. Uh, the uncle's real concerned about um. Uh, what's the word? You know, solidifying the line, the family line. Sure. These are the last two people left in this family, and they're like a really wealthy family in town. They have a big farm where they, you know, pl- uh, plant stuff. Um, wine? Is that what it is? <laughs> Anyways, doesn't matter. They plant wine. Uh, they plant grapes for wine. Anyways, um, so the nephew, uh, uh, finds out that he likes to grow carnations, but the only place they can grow carnations are in this other guy's farm because the other guy has a stream with enough water to sustain the carnations. And so, good soil. And good soil. So the uncle goes over to offer to buy the guy's farm and the guy says, no, no. And the uncle takes him down out of the tree and swings him around and the guy hits his head on a rock. So basically the uncle kills this man. Yep. And then... And uh, then they, but then they make it look like he just fell out of the tree and broke his neck and they don't tell anyone. Right. You know, so that people just find his body and that they murdered him, basically. They murdered him, basically. Even though they didn't intend to. That's what ended up happening. Sure. When he did his wrestling. Manslaughter, at least. He did his wrestling style move on the guy. Um, so then they're like, oh, well, we can, uh, we can buy the farm from whatever. Uh, but then the farm ends up going to this woman who doesn't live Florette, who doesn't live in town anymore. Uh, and the uncle guy was in love with Florette years and years ago. Many years ago. Many years ago. Um, but she inherits the farm, but then she dies off screen. We don't get to ever meet her. So her son inherits the farm and he moves to the farm with his wife and his young daughter. His daughter's like 10 or 11 and he has a hunchback and that's Gerard Depardieu. He's a city boy so he doesn't know how to farm and oh I missed the part where the uncle and the nephew plug up his stream so he doesn't have any water but he doesn't know that a stream exists. So then the whole first movie is Gerard Depardieu trying to figure out a way to sustain farm life. He like breeds rabbits and he like uh, grows squash or something. Yeah. Uh, trying to find a way to sustain and live off of this farm and, and provide for himself and his family. And he's an eternal optimist and he was an accountant. So he does everything like by the book and like yeah. with charts and numbers. He's an educated man. So he's reading about like ways to farm and the whole time the uncle and his nephew are like, that's no way to farm. You just have to know how to do it in your bones or whatever. Um, then he, uh, they start to, uh, there's like a drought. So they don't have any vegetables. They start to panic. They're out of money. All these bad things happen and they're basically starving to death. They don't have any money. Gerard Depardieu and his family. So then he, Basically, at the end, he dies because he's exhausted and he gets hit by falling rock after he tries to blow up the ground so that he can dig another well. Yep. Okay. So the movie ends with the daughter, Gerard Darpadu's daughter, um, finding, walking out into the field uh, the day that her parents farm sells to the uncle and his nephew because the uncle and the nephew buy it. Yeah. And she sees the uncle and the nephew unplugging the stream. And so there's all this water. And so she runs off screaming. And that's the end of the first movie. Yeah. The second movie is 10 years later. Her mom's moved back to the city to be an opera singer. And she leaves her with this woman who's like a shepherd or something. <laughs> and I'm assuming her, the mother pays this woman to take care of her. Maybe. 
It's never clear. Not covered. Um, so she's grown up and she's gorgeous. And the nephew sees her bathing naked. And he's older now, too, because that's how time works. Mm-hmm. And he falls in love with her just from seeing her boobies. Sure. And, that's, that's how that works. Yeah. And later he tells her that he loves her and that when he saw her bathing naked, he wanted to commit a crime. And that was how he <laughs> professes love to her. Sure. Uh, that always works. Anyways, she finds out that the whole town knew that there was a stream on her father's land, but they all just kept their mouths shut. So basically what she does is she finds the water source like for the whole town and she plugs it up with concrete. Yeah. Like clay. And Actually, rocks. one of her goats gets lost and accidentally leads her to the source. Right. Yeah. So the whole town thinks that they're cursed because they let Gerard Depardieu die. Um, and then what happens? Oh, the nephew proposes to her and she's like, fuck no, I'm not interested in you. You killed my father. There's a hot young teacher in town. There's though. a hot young teacher in town that she falls in love with. So then she ends up marrying the hot young teacher. The nephew kills himself. The town eventually gets their water back because she unplugs it finally. And then the uncle finds out at the very end of the movie that Florette, who's Gerard Depardieu's mother, who inherited the land in the first place, his love, his one true love, that Gerard Depardieu was actually his son. The hunchback was his son. And so he... He devoted his life to ruining this guy who yeah. was the heir to his fortune yeah. that he'd been waiting uh, for all along. Yep. And so, the- oh, what a twist. <laughs> it's so classic. So then he ends up dying of old age and he leaves his whole property to Manon, who's the daughter of Gerard Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu. Yeah. And that's that. That's the story. Did you fall asleep when I was saying that? <laughs> No, I was riveted. I think I went on too long. You might have to go through and cut some of it out. No, no, it was great. Uh, so that's the whole plot. And I watched all four hours of it, so I know it to be true. And now what? <laughs> well, we got to go through Carla's quotes. Okay, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's the story of the, of the movie, Carla. Yeah. Uh, were you not impressed by that story? No, it was fine. <laughs> I feel like they could have done that whole story in about two hours, just like I could have told the whole story in about two minutes as opposed to the five minutes that I just rambled on. Mm-hmm. So you felt like the the pacing was glacial. Yeah, it was real slow. Honestly, I feel like that first movie could have been like 15 minutes because <laughs> it, it's all about the daughter taking revenge. But you don't hire Gerard Depardieu to come in and do 15 minutes of Hunchback right. well, and then leave. Well, he could leave. have been the like handsome teacher who marries her. <laughs> or he could have been put like some old makeup on him and he could have been the uncle. <laughs> well, let's go through. that. We, we've now gone through Carla's synopsis of the movie. Let's go through in real time what Carla was saying during the movie. And we'll listen to Carla's quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. You you talked a lot just during the opening credits. As is normal. I uh, always do. And whatever. It's the name of the producer and then Presente. And then uh, Carla said, Presente, Presente, French gibberish, Benny Kakowski. Because, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you had Benny, our dog, on your lap during the of whole course. thing. If I have to sit through it, he has to sit through it. Uh, and then you said, something after the something of something. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Oh, because it was like, uh, 
Manon of the Spring after the novel of Marcel Pagnol, I think is what it said in the credit, but you said something after the something of something. Something. You also said looks like the universal lot. It does. It looks like the... Uh, the fake European small yes. town in the universal lot, which is actually where they shoot The Good Place. It's, yeah. It's now done up as all the frozen yogurt stands of The Good Place, but it's normally like this little European village. Yeah, you're right. But no, this was shot in the real deal. So I guess Universal did a good job of recreating that. I guess so. Uh, five Universal. You kept commenting on all the French names in the opening credits. Of course. Mainly because we just named our dog Frankie recently. Uh, Frankie. Uh, you said Ernestine is a good name. Bruno's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Craig said, please credits be over soon. <laughs> Craig's quotes. <laughs> uh, when, uh, Cesar and Hugo Lamb first meet at the beginning of the movie. Uh, they do the traditional, you know, male kiss on the cheeks. Uh, and Carlos said, um, moi, um, moi, don't kiss him on the teeth. What? <laughs> I don't even remember. Maybe because he had these big, gross teeth. Oh, yeah. Um, he was gross. The nephew. <laughs> yeah. Bleh. Uh, he won. Uh, both the Cesar, uh, oddly enough, the French Oscars are called the Cesars. Huh. He won a Cesar for this film and he also won a BAFTA for this film. BAFTA! <laughs> uh, I don't know what that meant when I said that. I was just repeating what you just said. <laughs> What's the British Academy of Film and... No, I know what it is. Televised arts? I don't know. Television arts. Um, somebody must have woken up hungover at this in this movie probably the nephew early on and you said when i drink all night with friends i get real hungry the next morning like i need eggs hash browns and coca-cola for breakfast (laughs) i think you also might have been hung over as we were watching this i think i was oh that's right yeah i had too much to drink the other night Early on, you see uh, Ugolan opening his packet of carnations Ugolan is the nephew yeah uh, or Galinette is what his uncle calls him, which I don't know what that means. Uh, and Carla said, marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a totally different movie if he had been growing marijuana. Growing pot? Yeah. Uh, early on, Carla said, Benny's bored. <laughs> um, he told me. He whispered in my ear. <laughs> there's, a, there's a quote where he's kind of going through all the reasons why you need a wife. Uh, or his, his uncle is trying to get him to get married and he says, I don't need socks. So why would I need a wife? And Carla said, yeah, cause all women do is men's socks. That's all I do is your wife. I, I get holes in my stockings quite a there bit. There is a, a giant pile of socks just you're, sitting in the corner. You're always darning my waiting socks. Waiting for me to mend. Darn those socks. Oh boy. So many dad jokes today. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a typical Carlos quote. Ah, I'm bored already. How far in are we? You want to guess at how far in we were? I don't know. Eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said, I'm going to make me some pot. I'm going to sell it. What? <laughs> I think you were talking in the nephew's voice, but uh, I don't think you were talking as yourself. No. Um, I wouldn't sell it. You said he needs to brush his teeth. Yep. They all do. <laughs> You know what's the grossest movie for teeth of all time? Sure. I'm always wondering about that. The Crucible. Have you ever seen it? 
<laughs> are the teeth bad in that? I don't oh remember. Oh my god! And then they kiss, and I I remember <laughs> my best friend Angie and I saw that when we were in high school, and he kisses uh, what's his face kisses what's her face? Sure. What's Daniel Day Lewis and Joan, Joan Allen. Allen. Yeah. Uh, and and we both were like. <laughs> we freaked out because it's his teeth. Both of their teeth were like yellow. And well, he moldy. let his teeth go for two years. He didn't brush or floss for two years. Yeah, you know, it sounds like him to prepare for that role. Sounds like what's his face? DDL. Uh, when Cesar kills the neighbor by swinging him around, <laughs> you said, "Oh man, ouch! There goes your spine. It's like a wrestling move." Yeah. So I have to explain it. He picked him up, or he pulled him off the tree. Oh, it's so confusing. He pulled him off this tree, the tree and like wrapped his legs around. Yeah. Is that a his pile waist. driver? I don't know enough about wrestling to say. And but... like swung him around. Like, yeah. whoa. It's kind of like a fun thing you could do with a kid. <laughs> but then the guy's head hit a rock. Yep. And then you said, yikes, he didn't even care that his head had a rock. Uh, that is, <laughs> that he hit his head on a rock. What a terrible person. And I think that's the moment where it occurred to you of like, oh, these characters I've been spending the first 10 minutes with, they're the villains. Yeah. Of the piece. Oh no, you made sure to tell me. You said, <laughs> now you get it. Now you get it. Those are the bad guys. Uh, you also said this seriously looks like it could have been shot in Griffith Park. <laughs> 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 also in LA, but nope, set in Provence. I don't know. Uh, they're talking about, uh, I think he's talking about Florette and he said when the boys try to kiss her, she'd scratch their faces and you said, uh, ha ha, that's like me with my pointed fingernails. And then you added, maybe she was gay. What was I talking about? <laughs> I don't remember saying either of those things. Number one, I don't remember saying those things. Number two, those things don't make sense. Number what? three. I don't want you to ever repeat them. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have a podcast where I am obligated by law to repeat verbatim the things that you say. I think I was falling say, asleep or something. Maybe. Uh, we did watch this in a few installments, and I think we started at night. Those are the dumbest things. I've, those are the dumbest Carlos quotes. I've ever uh, heard. Let's let our listeners judge. <laughs> uh, you also said, what is it with the French and hunchbacks? Right. <laughs> there's a lot of references to hunch there's only one hunchback but of like everybody in the town kind of talks about him like that's a common thing yeah and uh at one point uh ugolan says yeah he's just you know a typical big city hunchback yeah like that's so a thing <laughs> i think it's a i think it's partially a joke i think the filmmaker thinks it's uh it's funny mm. um but maybe there were just more hunchbacks back then at that time well isn't the hunchback of notre dame french he sure is. He couldn't be more French. Of Notre Dame? So what's that all about? <laughs> well, you know of two prominent French hunchbacks then. Quasimodo Those and Jean de Florette. only hunchbacks I know of. <laughs> I don't know of any other hunchbacks. Hey, you know what I was thinking watching this? How yes. sad it was that he had a hunchback like a camel, but he couldn't save water. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that's was, a deep reading of jean de Florette, do you think Carla? that was a theme in the movie i think so yeah he's just like a camel but but he can't retain the water he can't retain water in his, his hump family survive yeah i think that's what gerard depardieu was playing that was his secret for yeah. his character yeah you gotta have a secret when you act yeah you know? if you're an actor you have to have a secret just one <laughs> So, uh, you've already heard the spoiler of the, uh, the end of the movie, but, uh, Carla said, I bet he's his son, huh? Did I just figure out the secret to the whole movie 10 minutes in? Make sure you write it down. 
And I did. <laughs> when uh, Jean and his wife and daughter Manon move in, uh, there's he there's a there's a theme to this movie that drove Carla crazy. By the way, which was what the theme? Well, the, the literal theme, the musical theme. Oh yeah, the movie, music, which is constantly played on the harmonica, sometimes live by Jean or Manon. It's not live. They're not really playing their harmonica. <laughs> well, I mean, but the character is playing a harmonica, sure. and you hear a harmonica on the soundtrack. Whether or not that's Ger- Gerard Depardieu's actual harmonica work, I can't say. Right. Uh, but the theme, it, it sounds almost like a ripoff of the Godfather theme. Mm-hmm. It D- totally does. Cause Godfather goes, da, 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 na, 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 da, da, da. Right. And the Jean de Florette theme goes, can you do it, Carla? No, I don't remember. <laughs> Boo, do, 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 do. Yeah, you're right. It's like the same That's melody, weird. but a few fewer notes yeah. almost. But they play it constantly. And when they move to the uh, farm, uh, Jean plays the theme on his harmonica while his wife sings opera along with him. Yeah, it's weird. And Carla thought it was so weird. She said, what the fuck is going on? These aren't real people. These are robots. <laughs> French robots. Again, we had the line, he's a city hunchback type. Carla said, what? What's the deal with hunchbacks? <laughs> Which sounds like the beginning of a Jerry Seinfeld routine. <laughs> What's the deal with hunchbacks? <laughs> Is everybody in France a hunchback? What's going on? Uh, of the little girl who was playing Manon, you said that little girl is possessed by the devil. She looked so mad in every scene she was in. <laughs> um. He goes through, you know, he, he's, because he's a, uh, a numbers guy, he's planned his entire, uh, farm approach based on how much rain they're going to get. And he goes through all the days of rain that are expected. And Carla said, ah, the days before global warming. <laughs> when you could <can> predict weather. <laughs> it's fair to say that this movie is kind of told at the pace of farming. <laughs> In a way, you know, because you get into the different seasons a lot. I actually learned a lot about farming and where water comes from and how it moves (laughs) that I did not want to know. I guess water (laughs) – water's pretty important, you know, if you can't water your crops. There is this – so Craig and I didn't finish the movie together because we got busy um, and I finished it this morning by myself. And there's this – like it's like a 10-minute scene where they're just explaining how water works in the town. (laughs) And I wanted to fucking – there's like a government official who's in charge of the water. Yeah, yeah and comes he's like, in. it could be the reason you don't have water is because of this first thing. Here's a big speech. It's going to go forever. And here's a number two reason. And then he started the number three. And finally, one of the townspeople was like, we don't care. We just want water. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. That's why, that so, that's why that scene is so funny because the town is just furious. And they're also – they're simple people and they don't understand this complicated government explanation and i'm a simple person because i am <laughs> <laughs> they were it was a little like a a trump crowd because they're just like i don't care about the facts right. i just i just want what i want now right i don't care about anybody else's life right. and then this guy comes in with his stick and starts pounding his stick on the table it's a really funny i wonder scene. if we have any trump supporter listeners uh because yeah. if we did they might be gone by now <laughs> Uh, if you love Craigslist and you love Trump, tweet at us. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, Carla also said, this is why I can't have a farm. Too much work. I'd hurt my back. <laughs> I don't know you were even thinking about uh, having a farm. Yeah, I think about a lot of stuff you don't know about. <laughs> uh, so at one point he decides to breed rabbits and uh, he gets like three lady rabbits and one gigantic male rabbit and then he lets them in on the cage and there's some brief rabbit fucking. And Car- so weird. Sorry. And Carla's response was, it's so hard to be a lady. <laughs> <laughs> why would you show that? Like, why is that a choice to be like, I'm going to show this rabbit doing it with this other rabbit? There also later is uh, well we see a few shots of rabbits dead because you know his rabbits that he has on the farm die off because uh, of the drought and and they're again real dead rabbits. You think so? I do. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> and lots of dead birds, like she traps birds. Yeah, that's just the life there. That's fine, but it's weird. If you'd only ever seen two French films, Rules of the Game and Jean de Ferret, Manon in the Spring. You would both- think the French hate animals. <laughs> well, they're just honest about where their food comes from, Carla. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> if you go to a French market, you see the entire carcass of a recently deceased animal and you know exactly where it came from. You know, and they, you know, they live off the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people and you know, they, uh, they have an intimate connection to their food. Michael Pollan, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, rabbit fucking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're looking for your place. He wasn't uh, just randomly saying rabbit fucking. That's what I say when I'm looking for my place. <laughs> rabbit fucking, rabbit fucking, rabbit fucking. Uh, uh, there's a line where he says, because they're basically, they're turning the screws on Jean the Hunchback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically Cesar, the uncle, never even meets the hunchback. No. He sees him once in town, but he always sends his nephew off of like, go back and report to me what's going on. Of like, how's it going with the hunchback? <laughs> you know? Uh, and he says at one point, if you start to strangle a cat, finish it off. <laughs> uh, because Ugolan is, is getting to be friends with him and he's being too nice to him. And Carla said, they're not talking about you, Bronco, to our Aww. cat. <laughs> Bronco got so offended. You he think was like, so? Mom, what is this <laughs> thing you're watching? Uh, and I was like, your dad's making me watch it. <laughs> this is what the animals say to you yeah. while uh, while watching this movie. You can't uh, hear them? No, I can't. Uh, at one point, uh, he's counting on his wife to pawn her necklace because they've run out of money. And he's like, well, at least we have this necklace of yours that we can pawn. And she's already pawned it. And Carla said, dumb bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And then she reveals that the emeralds were fake and they didn't get much money for it. And she said, did he buy her that cheap ass necklace? I said that. Yeah. That (laughs) Carla said that. (laughs) Yeah. All of a sudden this French lady who was very well behaved. (laughs) Very well behaved the whole film. (laughs) She actually even farmed in heels. True story. You commented on that as well. Uh, yeah. Carla also said, You guys are city people. You can't hang. (laughs) And then yet and here's the third in the hunchback trilogy. Were hunchbacks a big thing back in the day? And then around that rabbit slaughter scene, Carla said, OMG, this is the worst movie ever made. You know they killed all those rabbits for real. I know. I know, Carla. At uh, <laughs> at one point, Jean says, cursing this guy, when does a drought last 36 days? And Carla said, Southern California. <laughs> Here you go. She's been wearing heeled boots while working in the field. 
yeah. he said. At one point, Cesar is lying down on the uh, the bed. And he's having some cupping done, which is yeah. something that we get done at our acupuncturist. Acupuncturist. <laughs> acupuncturist. Uh, and Carla said, cupping, holy shit. Yeah. You couldn't believe that it existed back then. It was crazy. Uh, I mean, I know that it's an old thing. <laughs> I just didn't know that the French knew that too. <laughs> when Monsieur Jean dies, uh, the nephew comes back to report it and he's weeping. And uh, there's a good line. Uh, it's not me that's crying. It's my eyes. Oh, yeah. And Carla said, that's a good line. <laughs> that is a good line. It's not me that's crying. It's my eyes. And then Manon pulls out the harmonica. And uh, and Carla says, sing us a song, you're the piano man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I didn't get for a second, but I'm like, yes, okay, yes, there's that harmonica part in Piano Man. At the top, right? Yeah. <laughs> or is it a, is it not at the top? Is yeah. it in the middle? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's played on the harmonica. You're right about that. Am I right? You're right about that, but it was so incongruous to me that you immediately started singing, Sing us a song, yo, the piano man. <laughs> I was just so sick of hearing the song that they were playing in this movie <laughs> over and over again. And when Jean de Fleuret ends, it says, Fin de la première partie. Yep. End of the first part. And Carla said, It's a party. It's a party. I hate this movie. You picked on movies. <laughs> That's our new theme song. You hear that, John? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we need It's a Party, It's a Party. I hate this movie. You pick dumb movies. <laughs> uh so we only watched about a half hour of Manon of the Spring together. We had to we had to watch uh a lot of it apart, so I don't have that many quotes for that movie. Uh but if there's a drought in the first movie, the second movie begins with just an orgy of water. Uh, so we see them, you know, using the natural spring. We see it raining. And Carla said, look at all that water. Slurp it up. Slurp it up. <laughs> <laughs> then you said, look at all those carnations. These guys know how to farm. <laughs> uh, because now their car- carnation business is booming. Uh, and you said, this is standard sad French music. Yep. Uh, <laughs> And then when uh, grown-up Manon plays her father's theme on the harmonica, she said, oh, my God, I'm so sick of this song. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's catching rabbits in her traps. These poor rabbits in this movie can't catch a break. (laughs) And then Ugo Land spies on her. There's a lot of spying behind bushes and trees going on in this movie. And Ugo Land sees her from a a, a cliff, uh, like a a bunch of... uh, Rocks. Uh, I I don't need to explain to you guys what a cliff is, <laughs> but I'm trying to explain that he's in a like precarious position where he might fall uh, from this uh, steep cliff. Uh, but, but she's nude and dancing around and playing the harmonica. And you said, "Oh, gross! What a skeezy guy." Also, who takes a bath and plays the harmonica? <laughs> she was. She was bathing in the whatever pond, <laughs> playing the harmonica and dancing. It was so weird. And then you said, oh, that would be awesome if you fell off the side of the cliff. <laughs> uh, Emmanuel Bayard, by the way, just one of the most beautiful women in uh, in the history of cinema, um, I would say. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> uh, I have a thing for French actresses. I know. By the way. Who are some of my other favorites? Julia Binoche. I love Julia Binoche. That's the, that's the only one I was thinking of. Marianne Cotillard. Oh, yeah. Love her. Audrey Tattoo. Yeah. Love her. 
I love her. <laughs> I love French actresses so much. I turn gay. <laughs> uh, Isabella Johnny. Is- oh, yeah. Isabelle Huppert. Oh, yeah. I confuse the two of them. Uh, Isabella Johnny has more, uh, she's actually has Algerian blood. So she's, she's like a little the, more North African. She has like black hair. She has black, jet, was, jet black hair. Yeah. Was she with Daniel Day Lewis at one time? I think she was. Yeah. But, uh, you might be interested in knowing that Emmanuel Bayard ended up marrying Danielle Atoui, who plays the ugly nephew. They were married for a couple of years and had a child together. Wait, this woman? Yes. Manon played the ugly nephew? I mean, uh, wait, <laughs> she, what? She played the shit no, out of I him. I mean, yeah. Manon married him? Yeah. What? They were married. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Why? But they were only married for a few years. They were only married for a few years. They do have, like, do have something. a child together. Yeah. The, uh, you know, if you look at any French actor's bio, they've had at least three marriages, all of them. <laughs> And children out of wedlock, uh, as well. So they met on this film and fell in love? I think they met on a previous film. They might have already Weird. been a couple when they made this, uh, movie. Weird. Yeah. Life's you know, weird. Love is weird. <laughs> okay, move on. <laughs> uh, and then at one point he's describing, uh, the uncle's describing, uh, the ideal woman and says it's like, you know, you need a woman who's like a brood mare. <laughs> With like yeah. wide hips. Uh, and Carla said, gross. These guys are so gross. And then you said, 80% of this guy's life is just waiting behind a bush watching things happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful cinematography in this movie, by the way, by Bruno Knighton. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also in Ugolan, he's like the creepiest person I've ever seen. Uh, this is, we watched this separately, but the, the moment where he professes his love for her, he like dresses up in this garish yellow suit and yellow hat. And he literally looks like the man in the yellow hat from Curious George. He does, yeah. Uh, and he embarrasses himself. And then after she, uh, turns him down, she had lost this ribbon, which he sews into his chest, like right by his nipple. We have to talk about this. Okay. This. I was so pissed that you didn't tell me about this ahead of time. When he said, you guys, when he, when Craig just said that he sews the ribbon into his nip or into his breast, it doesn't mean like his breast pocket. Like he literally sews it into his nipple. Sure. Like naked nipple. (laughs) He sews the ribbon and it, they show you him sewing it. It bleeds. It is the creepiest, grossest. Silence of the Lambs, I'm going to wear your skin thing that I've seen in a movie. So was that the thing in the movie that grossed you out the most? Yeah, and I couldn't believe you didn't tell me about that ahead of time. I actually stopped watching it at that part. Really? No, I just I put my head down. I didn't turn it off. Okay. Um, okay, so now I, I have a better idea of what your trigger warnings need to be. Yeah. Then. If I there's any more movies on your list where a man sews a ribbon into his nipple. Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit i can't watch silence of the lambs sure you can no i can't you're gonna take a pass in silence of the lambs i might okay well i've it's... seen it before yeah okay keep going uh you could watch uh strategic parts of it maybe maybe okay and then we watched uh there was about an hour that we watched separately and then i came in at the end again as you were watching the the last 15 minutes or so of the movie when i found out that i was right yeah. Did you feel vindicated? No, because I knew I was right. Yeah. 
Uh, and you feel angry that it took so long to get to that? Yeah, it just is a very long <clears throat> movie for reasons that I still don't understand. <laughs> uh, but to me, that final – and also there's there's a blind woman who's like literally just like the deus ex machina of the movie because yeah. she has all the secrets and she's like just sitting in a cemetery waiting to have the conversation that yep. they could have had 50 years ago or, or whatever. To tell him that to, he's the father of to the To tell hunchback. him that he's the father of the hunchback. Uh and yes, sure. The, the, the story is maybe a little run of the mill. You, you've heard that story before. Uh, but Yves Montan plays it so well and just like the devastation on his face as he finds out the truth of what's happening. It makes it all worthwhile. It's yeah. Like, he's pretty great. It's such a, such a tragic story. I think everybody's really good in it. The acting's really well done. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> But when he finally finds out the truth, Carla said, Ooh, you done fucked up. You fucked up hard. <laughs> and then as he's lying in his deathbed, writing his uh, final will and testament and giving everything to Manon. And he's also holding on to Florette's comb, which was the one possession of hers that he had all yeah. along. Uh, he's uh, he's putting on his ring and Carla said, what is it with men and pinky rings? Right? Like old men and pinky rings. It's strange to me. Because <laughs> they're gross. I guess it's the grossest place to wear a ring. And old, I don't know. It's just like... Old rich men are gross. Yeah, old rich guys and their pinky rings. It's confusing. <laughs> Carla, do you want to give this... C. Pair of... Mo- C. C. Oh, is that Spanish for yes? Uh, we. We, I think, is what you want. No, I'm giving it a letter grade C. Letter grade C. What does that stand for? It stands for could have been shorter. <laughs> Uh, I actually didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. You just thought it was long and slow and kind of boring. Yeah, but I, I, uh, like I said, I liked all the acting in it. It was really pretty to watch. Um, there were some cool shots, like when, when the creepy nephew's like following her around screaming about how much he loves her and she's like climbing up the cliff to get away from him. Like, I couldn't even figure out how they shot that. Hmm. It was pretty cool. It was so much back and forth. Um, that actor had to ha- hang out behind a lot of bushes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, her character, Manon, is like pretty intriguing. It's an interesting story of a little girl who's like wronged and then grows up and is able to, um, you know, uh, 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 return the favor <laughs> <laughs> by taking away the whole town's water. <laughs> So you would have liked maybe a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie that's mostly about the adult Manon. Well, if we're if if I get to decide how long it is, I'd say two hours. Two hours, okay. Yeah, I don't need the extra fifteen minutes. The two hours, fifteen. Come on. I feel like the first fifteen minutes of that movie is the first movie. Okay. And then we get to see the rest of it play out. And then we just see the second movie. Yeah, because like in, in today's uh, language, we would say that. Her father dying is the inciting incident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that's Yeah, the let's thing. save the cat this movie a let's little bit. Let's save it. Uh nope. Not let's save in this the movie. rabbit. Let's save the rabbit. You can't. They're all dead. Um Save the rabbit. Save the rabbit. But if she's the hero of the film, which I think she is, like, yeah, her father dying is the first thing that propels her forward. So that would happen in fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would watch the rest of it play out. Well, maybe it's time for a third remake of Manon of the Spring. Or you guys could just write something new. Okay. (laughs) We need more new stories. Well, 
Yeah, I had a feeling this would not be your jam, but I am impressed that you watched the whole thing. That's what I like to hear. And uh, it's <laughs> this movie is staying on Craigslist. Is it really? Yeah, okay. I, I like it a lot. I think you need to um, be honest with yourself and understand that it's two different movies, though, and so it should be in two different places. I mean, I am the person who put the crown on my <laughs> yes top ten movie. You're list. one to talk, uh, but I'm also not like trying to be a serious list maker. So I feel like this is this is definitely two movies because it was released as two movies. Or does that mean I include the Star Wars trilogy as one movie? Right. Indiana Jones as a trilogy? Right. Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I think you have to be consistent across mm. the board, probably. Okay. Whichever way you go. Yeah, I think... I don't know. Tweet at us if you agree or disagree. I'll be okay if people disagree with me. I might not follow them, but I'll be okay with it. Should it it be two movies on the list uh, separate? In which case, I don't know that either of them would make it separately. I would say I prefer Manon of the Spring Mm -hmm. if I had to pick one. I think for years I had them as separate entries. And then the last time I redid the list, maybe about seven years ago, I rewatched it. I'm like, they it's one long movie. They made it together. Uh, and they did, and I guess they did this with Lord of the Rings too, but they shot everything together simultaneously. Right. Um, because they needed to cover the different seasons in Provence. <sighs> okay. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm not gonna, you do you. It's your list. <laughs> I'm not gonna be pushy. To me, it's one long four hour movie and it's the combined effect that, that makes it, uh, worthy of I being see what you're on saying. Craigslist. Uh, but yeah, it's staying probably somewhere in the low eighties or, or high nineties. Okay. Is where it will, Wind up. You want to do a little khaki theater? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, who do you want to be? I haven't even thought about it. You tell okay. me. Well, why don't we do that scene where uh, the old blind lady reveals the truth to uh, Cesar? <laughs> okay. Cesar, I heard you walking across the yard. I can't see you, but I know your walk. Because you are blind. I'm very blind. I have been blind my whole life. But you have amazing ears like that devil. Yes, my ears are beautiful. I have them pierced <laughs> yes, twelve what? times each. That's a lot of piercing on those ears. Cesar, I have something to tell you. Yes, you've just been sitting in this graveyard you waiting, waiting for me. Are a piece of shit. What? You are shit. You never return the letter of your lover. What letter of my lover? You know Florette. How many lovers have you ever had? Well, I had Florette and, uh, oh, you're right. The real love. Her. The real love. She, e- she emailed you. <laughs> <laughs> when did she email me? I never got it. Uh, Which account? You, Which account uh, did she send it to? 50 years ago. <laughs> Which account? Was it Yahoo? You were in Africa. Because Yahoo, I mostly I use. don't know, Cesar. I did not memorize your email address. Because yes. Yahoo, I mostly use for, you know, transactional stuff, but the personal is the hotmail. I'm glad you got that in. I, <laughs> I, I was in, uh, I was in Africa, yes. And she tell you that she is pregnant? 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 Florette pregnant? Yes. And she had the baby? She had the baby. And it was yours. Oh, that would stand to follow, yes, because we did make love once on a bale of hay. Oh, trust me, I know all about it. I was hiding behind a bush watching. You were hiding behind a bush? Were you wondering where the harmonica music was coming from? Yes, I was wondering that was about me. that. Me. Well, I thought I figured somebody was taking a bath and playing the harmonica. It was which me. is a common thing in Provence. We. Oui. So, so anyway, she has this baby and he's a hunchback. 
Wait a minute. Now, it's not clear if he's a hunchback because she tried to get rid of the baby or because your family like to fuck each other. <laughs> Look, there is uh, the Super Online uh, does have a lot of inbreeding and uh, there are a lot of hunchbacks. So that's interesting. She had a baby that was a hunchback. Well, there's so many hunchbacks. It couldn't possibly be the hunchback that lived next to me that I devoted my entire life to ruining, could it? It was. And you know what? I don't know why people are always giving hunchbacks a hard time around here. Oh, you're a real hunchback lover, aren't you, Delphine? <laughs> I just am like, well, they're not so bad. Like, they're handsome in their face, and uh, you have extra places to hang things. Ah, oh, but they're so ugly in the back, and it can't even uh, retain water. Let's be honest. The only hunchbacks around here are women with osteoporosis. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I've never really seen a hunchback. <laughs> Oh, so you don't even know what you're talking about. You're right. I'm blind. <laughs> yes, you're talking a lot about seeing things for a blind woman. <laughs> and fiend. Oh, God, I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that was. That's when you improvise the best, baby, when you are at your tired. I did Bikram yoga at 630 this morning. I got to go sleep. <laughs> well, I got to drink some water, which we have right now. Yeah. Yeah, we yes, <laughs> we have a spring in the middle of our kitchen that is uh, that is constantly shooting water out. That was real fun. That was real fun. Thanks for watching that movie, and thanks for listening, guys. I'm sorry uh, to the degree that we had to spoil all of the plot points for the movie, but uh, uh, they're fine with it. They're fine with it. You're you're never gonna go see Jean de Florette Manon in the spring, are you? Somebody tweeted that they watched it. I'm very like that Im first weekend that I was supposed to watch it. Somebody watched it. I'm very impressed with that. I am too. I was impressed. Yeah. Uh, so what are we watching next? Well, that was number seventy nine. So next up is number seventy eight on my list, and this is a film from nineteen ninety eight. Uh, and it's made by a filmmaker who I know you like, Wes Anderson. Oh, Rushmore. The movie is Rushmore. Rushmore. It is the one and only Wes Anderson on my list. So, uh, we'll be able to talk about that movie and maybe some of the other films of Mr. Wes. And we've got a guest joining us. Uh, he's a good friend of ours and a constant listener of the podcast. Constant? I think he's listened. Well, he's listened to a few episodes. <laughs> I'm sure he's doing other things in his life other than nope, just listening just to our podcast. Loop. We are his theme song. Uh, but our, our good friend Mark Warzeka is going to be joining us to talk about uh, Rushmore. So please tune in next week for that. And uh, bonjour. Au revoir. Salut. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.